And I want to read from verse 10 till the end. Verse 10 to verse 17. Psalm chapter 90, 9-0, verse 10. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Psalm 90 has the idea of an expiry date. In the King James Version, it talks about lifespan being three score and ten for those who have not come across this um, older English way of expressing uh, numbers. Three, one score is 20, three score is 60 plus 10. So 70 years. Or by reason of strength, four score means four times 20, 80 years. So our lifespan, 70 to 80 years. 21st of February last year, a man expired. Okay, he died. And he had lived 99 years. Actually, he was 10 months <coughs> short of 100. He didn't just expire. I believe he inspired. He inspired a whole generation and inspired what might be considered a national revival in Singapore. And this video was what happened some 40 years ago in the year 1978. We accept the word of God by faith. And when we do, Christ comes into our heart. He forgives our sin. He changes our lives. He makes us new people. He forgives our sins. But you may never understand it all intellectually. Don't wait till you understand it all. Come just as you are. I'm going to ask that no one leave the stadium at this moment. But I'm going to ask hundreds and even thousands of you that God has spoken to tonight, and you know that you need to know Christ, and you need to know that you have been born again. I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come and stand here on this hard surface, clear around the stadium. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? What keeps you from Christ? 
What separates you from God? Would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your only Savior and your only God into your heart tonight? Old and young. Whatever your religious background. You come. Every time I watch this, I get choked up to see so many people responding. Um, who knows who this man is? I think among the younger ones, you may not even know. Well, his name is Billy Graham, a very famous evangelist who impacted millions around the world. As everyone, anyone in the public eye, Billy Graham has his detractors, but I think I am very safe in saying that he has lived alive, pleasing to the Lord, and he has done what is right in God's eyes, and he has a good reputation with outsiders of the faith, and he's prayed for many, many U.S. presidents. I don't think many of us were there in 1978. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, in this, this morning, I think about 10 to 15 percent of the congregation raised their hands. I say, were you there at the National Stadium in 1978? Um, and I, I, off, uh, I, I had a project for our church members. I say, let me know who responded at the altar call 40 years ago. So last year, I went to quietly ask around. I got four names. And this morning, one guy came up to me and said, I was there. I received Christ or I rededicated my life uh, on, uh, together with uh, Billy Graham. So if you know of anybody in PPH, who responded, let me know, and then it's uh, just for my curiosity. <laughs> okay. uh, which means that you will be revealing their, 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 not so much their age, uh, but which generation they are, they are from, because it's so long ago. So what is the next big thing for the church in, in Singapore? And it'll be something like this. It is the celebration of hope, a mass evangelistic rally, not in the old stadium that's already gone, but in our new sports hub, in our new stadium, from the 17th to the 19th of May. 40 years ago, we had Billy Graham at the old National Stadium bringing about what you might call um, a revival in Singapore. So let's pray that this May, May this year, we will have another revival with an evangelist called J. John. Or I like to call him John John. Different person, but same God. And I think probably no fancy lighting or smoke generators. I believe if uh, I've heard him once or twice on, on video, no fancy preaching and no manipulation of human emotions. 
just the gospel to hearts already prepared through our prayer in the spiritual realm, hearts prepared by the Holy Spirit, and thousands, hundreds come forward. Let's pray for that to happen. And, and then when people see it, they say, wow, this is only a God thing, you know? The reserved Singaporean. How would the reserved Singaporeans, even 40 years ago, go out in masses like that? So the next big thing in the Church of Singapore, Celebration of Hope in May. And uh, the dates on the Friday the 17th, that would be, uh, we start off in the evening at 7.30 at the National Stadium. On Saturday, it's um, especially for children uh, and families in the morning. And then for, uh, for Chinese in the National Stadium in the evening, uh, the, I think the prime slot is given to uh, Chinese speaking. And then on Sunday, uh, Filipino English in the morning, and then another English one in the evening. And then there'll be in different locations um, the evangelism or preaching uh, to uh, foreign workers. So we're covering like all of, of Singapore. On the 16th of February, we're going to have a training session uh, to prepare us. Um, the organization, organization for Celebration of Hope have set up major centers, east, west, north, south, and all that, uh, for, to train uh, Christians to prepare us for this mass rally. So but what I did was that uh, we tried calling one of them and say, we don't go to the centralized one. Now. Can you do one specially for us in PPH? And they've agreed. So 16th of February is um, the date for our training. Uh, I think one of the most important part of that training is that how, how to pray. You know, my father is not saved. He's 87. And you just pray, God save my father. God save my father. Is that all? We need to engage in spiritual warfare. So I think one of the, the, the very um, critical areas is what are the spiritual factors that prevent people from coming to Christ? Not people, your friend, your neighbor, your colleague, your parents. And then it could be pride, it could be fear, it could be a, a loyalty to old gods, it could be uh, the fear of separation from loved ones and not honoring your ancestors as a Christian. So if you know this, and you discern this, then you can pray specifically that uh, God will remove this veil from their eyes. So I believe that's going to be important. But some of you, like, like me, would, would ask, oh, why, why mass rallies? You know, so much money and, and all that is so big. Why not just coffee uh, with my friend and, and I'll share the gospel that way? So here are some reasons why I think the mass rallies are still important, even in this day and age, 40 years after Billy Graham. Firstly, it's the neutrality of the grounds that you're entering. If you invite your friends to a church, some of them would not want to enter a church because uh, it's, it's like not neutral ground. I know exactly what you're going to do to me in church. Okay, so the grounds are neutral. Secondly, it's anonymity. You will feel less pressure as targets. If you invite a friend to church, although I'm saying not so good things about this, but still do invite them to, to church for church-based evangelism meetings. But some of them... Uh, wouldn't want to come because they know that they are going to be pressured as, as targets. They are targets. And the anonymity of a big gathering like at the National Stadium means that there'll be easily hundreds uh, moving forward because of the scale. And then you don't feel like you're singled out. Uh, you just go together with uh, many people who respond. Thirdly, it's the novelty. Okay, like my dad has come to PPH so many times uh, that this 19th of January 
Chinese New Year celebration. He may not come. I invited him. He said, ah, not sure. But going to the National Stadium, I'm going to ask him in May to, to go because he's never been to the National Stadium, okay? especially the new one. And I hope that that novelty factor would be also uh, uh, motivating for him to go and see what, what's happening there. And lastly, because it is so big, I, and I believe this is the most important factor, the unity of the church. I think easily three, 400 churches have signed up already to, to participate in this. And the collaboration in prayer, collaboration in prayer among many churches, I believe God is pleased with uh, this kind of thing. So bring your friends to the celebration of hope. Now, Billy Graham, Billy Graham lived his, most of his life and, and his ministry in, in, in a public way. He, do, he does all these mass uh, rallies. But I believe the principles for his life as well as his ministry uh, should be the same for us and should be the same for any church, any Christian. And uh, for us here, we have summarized it into the five M's. The first M is to bring people into membership in God's church and God's kingdom and really pulling them out of whatever stray shipism, <laughs> a stray ship and pulling them to honour Jesus as Lord and Saviour and just by simply witnessing. Like if a lawyer asks you uh, to, to say a few things in a court, that's witness. I'm just saying that 36 years ago, I received Christ. And then to disciple them to Christ-like uh, maturity, and, and that is to, to teach them to read the Bible, uh, to pray, to have a fellowship, and to mentor, say, the person that you have brought uh, to Christ. And then, because they are now servants of the Lord, then to engage in ministry to others. You've got to serve others as an outworking of your faith. You read James, uh, the book of James, it is so clear, right? Faith without works is dead. So, uh, the, one of the proofs of conversion is that the person will be inspired by God to serve. And then, as servants of the, of the Lord, also to engage in mission, in witnessing and helping others to witness both locally and globally. We'll talk more about that on Mission Sunday, uh, two Sundays from now. And all this, to magnify God's name, to bring God glory. It's, it's on your bulletin. You see it every week. But uh, I won't set you a test to see how well you memorize it. But it's not so much memorization, but internalization. That wherever we go, and, and even if you, you should go overseas to study and you go to another church, the same principles hold true. Membership, maturity, ministry, mission, and all this for what? To magnify God. And that's our reason for being. All the days of our life, if you live to 99, like Billy Graham, or a shorter time, or whatever, before we expire before we expire, from now to the end of our lives. That should be the calling of our lives. And, you know, when we talk about expiry, a few months ago, um, my wife, Angeline, we sort of like a spring cleaning on the drawers, and then she found a voucher that was expired. The value of the voucher, $500. $500. Oh, it's very painful to see that thing expire unused and it's a terrible waste but there is one other kind of voucher that you, you should just simply let it expire six years ago somebody put this in the offering bag I said what um, 
So we made a decision not to check the newspapers. Okay, some of you see the number there, right? Your, your, your eyesight better than the first service. But don't you go and buy. Uh. Don't you go and buy this number. Would that the length of our days, whatever that number might be, 70, 80 or higher, would not expire unredeemed. And so we need to count, we need to number our days. Psalm 90 verse 12, so Moses' prayer to God, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. At the Leadership Development Seminar, which many of us here attended last November, Reverend David Wong introduced this idea of seeing your life in a week. So what does it mean? So, um, one day of the week represents 10 years. So if 70, right? According to Psalm 90. So if you're between 0 or 10 years old, it's Monday. If you're between 31 years old and 40, it's a Thursday. So your life starts on the midnight of a Sunday, and then it ends 11.59 on the Sunday night, right? So, if you're a 60-year-old like me, it means that I'm at Saturday midnight. I've got one day left to go. And it's a very scary, it's a very stark reminder of the brevity of life, how, how short life is. Um, so for you guys out here, you okay, most of you are Tuesday, Wednesday, still got a long way to go. Um, but I did one specially for the first service because it's like, wow, 70, yeah. Uh, cannot be, I'm already 65, you know? So, what is the average lifespan of a Singaporean? Ah, it's not 70, okay? Number one in the world, average lifespan is Japan, 83.7. Number two, Switzerland, 83.4. Number three, around the whole world is Singaporeans, you know? Our lifespan is quite amazing. We are number three in the world, 83.5. For guys, okay, guys uh, expire earlier. Guys are 80.1. And women, 86.1. So I redid the chart to 83.1 years. Uh, and I gained six hours. Felt happier a little bit. So, you know, when we talk about time, we hear many expressions about time. One of which would be like, oh, save time. Uh, and long, long, long ago, before your time, 1970s, uh, a songwriter and a singer, Jim Crochet, he wrote this song, uh, which lyrics goes, If I could save time in a bottle, the first thing I like to do is to save every day till eternity passes away just to spend them with you. Anybody know this song? Oh, you know? Wow. Salute. <laughs> 1970, you were not born yet. Yeah. It's, it's so... So romantic, right? Save time and, and all that. But you cannot really save time if you think about it. You can only spend it. In fact, a few months after this guy wrote this song, he died in a plane crash. How old was he? 30. He died on Wednesday. Only Wednesday. So we have all kinds of time-saving devices uh, these days, like microwave oven, uh, which is very old already, or the robotic vacuum cleaner. Right? The one that goes and... But they're supposed to be time savers, really? Then show me how you have saved that time. Where is it now? You cannot save time. You can only invest it, spend it, make the most of it, 
or in the old English, redeem it. Ephesians 5.16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. In King James Version, is redeeming the time because the days are evil. You can save money, but you cannot save time. If you don't spend it, or invest it, redeem it, or make the best use of it, you lose it. It's gone. Another common expression would be, oh, time is money. Have you heard this? Time is money. It is it's simply not true. Time is much more valuable than money. It may be hard to earn money or make more money, but it still can be done, but it is totally impossible to make more time. In fact, A.W. Tozer, one of our very famous Christian writers and pastors, wrote this. He says, time is a resource that is non-renewable, non-transferable. You cannot store it, slow it down, hold it up, divide it up, or give it up. You cannot hoard it up or save it for a rainy day because when, when it's lost, it's irrecoverable. When you kill time, remember there is no resurrection. Or quality time. Quality time, you ever heard this excuse, I would say? When dad or mom is so busy working, then they will say something like this, oh, I don't spend much time with my family, but the little time I do spend is quality time. Quality time is a misnomer because this second which I'm speaking to you is of the same quality, no higher, no lower than the next second that I'm speaking. So there's no quality time. The one I really like is time flies. Have you heard this? Um, I have this on my wall in, in the office. Um, on the top is a very young and beautiful woman, a wife, a mother, with, and below her, two boys and a dog. The next picture is an old but still very beautiful wife. But now she's dwarfed by two men and a different dog. And so time flies is the clock underneath these two pictures in my office is, is actually this. Get it? Time flies? Flies changing. Uying in Cantonese. Oh, now you get it. <laughs> I thought the first service very fast. Eh? They all got it. So we all need reminders. We all need reminders that time flies. You know, the, some people say that those churches in which there is also a columbarium, you know what a columbarium is, right? When, when you're cremated, then they put the urn in this place. So like, uh, is it Queenstown Methodist? Huh? Uh, they have a columbarium as part of the, the church. And they say that these churches have an advantage because every time you go to church, you know that somebody's ashes are inside the church. And it reminds you that your days are limited and so you must number your days to gain a heart of wisdom. But I believe there is one church in the world that tops it all in terms of reminder of time. And uh, Bishop Robert Solomon actually wrote about this, about Psalm 90 in uh, one of the Impact Magazine articles. And then he talked about this church, Monastery of St. Catherine at Mount Sinai. And I never knew that. What they do is that they collect the skulls of all the clergy, all the priests and full-time workers, basically, the pastors, and they put it near the church office. So heads literally roll in that church. And it serves a function. You might think this is really gross. You know how, how gross it is? So when the priest dies, they will bury him, right? Several years later, when everything is melted away or eaten by worms, then they will pluck out the head and then they will put it in the church office. Okay. But it's a great reminder. It's a great reminder that, that our, our days are short. We need to number our days aright 
to gain a heart of wisdom. And we must not let it just expire. Well, you know, the, the, the saying that the bad, bad news is that time flies. The good news is that you're, you're the pilot. But I think it would be much better if you say that God is the pilot and you are the co-pilot. Right? He determines your days. So going forward in 2019, let me encourage you to do three things. Number one, walk with God each morning. Psalm 90 verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And we so, so, so need God's help, God's help uh, as we start each day in the morning to be reminded of His steadfast love, to be satisfied, to be contented. I'm going to be in Malacca tomorrow. I aim to reach Malacca by about 4, 4 o'clock uh, for the annual Pastors Press Summit. There are going to be like three, 400 pastors, uh, all Singaporean, we will gather in, in Malacca. And I've been attending it so many years now, and so therefore I can predict what's going to happen. At least one of the speakers will be saying, two pastors, many, many senior pastors, that you need to begin the day with God. You need your quiet time, or some prefer to call it time alone with God. Yeah, pastors need to be reminded of that because we often work without God, even as pastors. We're so busy, I'm going to do this without God. And then we drift away from God. So as the new year begins, we need more than dieting and uh, exercise and, and all that. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to be disciplined. Disciplined in the spiritual exercise of focusing on God, God's Word in prayer. And so we want to start the year here in PPH with a season of prayer. need to focus that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. So I look a little deeper. I don't want to rejoice and be glad. Same thing, right? Not quite. In the Hebrew, rejoice is like when we overcome something. When we overcome our sinful nature, when we overcome some difficulty in life, we rejoice. It's like a bursting forth. You actually external. You express it. You sing or you shout hallelujah. You rejoice. A, there is an external dimension to it. But be glad is something more internal. In the Hebrew, it is uh, what is called an imperfect mood. That means it's not done yet. It's un incomplete. So you therefore continue, continue, continue to be glad. So let each day be a good day this year, a day of rejoicing and a day of being glad internally as well as externally as you begin each day with God. And you know how, how parents often say that, oh, all I want for my children is that they be happy? Now let's add to that. Oh, all I want is for my children to be able to rejoice and to be glad. One is a completed action as in they overcome something in their lives. And the other one is a continuing thing of uh, an internal joy that is independent of circumstances. Number two, work of God's hand be shown. And I just put there, in a bracket each evening, which is not in the Word of God. The Word of God says, Psalm 90 verse 16, Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children, to be shown, to see the hand of God at work. And we had a good sense of that last Sunday on our Thanksgiving Sunday at the end of every year, where we read or we heard of how God works in so many, uh, one of our, so many of, uh, ones of our lives. And, but why not we do that daily? 
have a time of reflection at the end of the day. Begin your day with God in a quiet time, read the scriptures, pray, and at the end of the day, have a time of uh, reflection and reflect on, God, what have you shown me today? Start in the morning, end in the evening with God, and then you will live a life with a godly perspective each day. What is God showing me at the end of the day? How can I obey you better, fit in better, overcome problems better, and do the work of your hands, even in our very secular uh, kind of work? What lesson, God, are you teaching me today or have you taught me over the last week? So firstly, walking, God, walking with God in the morning, asking to be shown the work of God in the evenings, and thirdly, the work of our hands, be established. Psalm 90 verse 17, Let the favour of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The prayer is that God will be in our work, or rather that our work will be in God's hands. And so we work hand in hand with God. Because if God's hand cannot be in this work that you're doing, very highly likely that it will be a sinful thing, displeasing to God. If we glorify Him, then we can be assured that we will have the favour of God in our work. Then I took a closer look at this word, establish. Um, in the King James Version, it's translated, prepare, 85 times, and establish only 58 times. So quite often it is used for the word uh, prepare, so not so much establish the work of our hands, but prepare the work of our hands to be in God's work. And that should be our daily prayer. Someone once said also that uh, you cannot predict the future, but you can pre prepare for the future. So the future, 2019, what will it look like? How shall we prepare for it? First, I want to talk about capping. This is the workbook that we receive when um, last year we went for what is called a CP seminar, you know, done by Living Sanctuary. Uh, in the old days, they called it community penetration, which sounds very aggressive. And, uh, but now they call it community pastoring. I think they copied us. Lah. Okay. For us, CAP, capping, for those who don't know, community adoption and pastoring. And I would like this culture to be fully internalized in our PPH members, that we all will be stirred unto love and good deeds, not just by capping in Teban Gardens, that four times in a year, like yesterday, we just knocked on doors, that capping, but a culture in us, internalized in us, that we will do capping at home. We will do capping in our offices, capping in our schools. So the next few sermons, I want to bring the CP seminar to you. I know that not all of us can attend that seminar in Living Sanctuary. And I want to talk about the why and the heart of capping. And the principles is not just for Teban Gardens. The principles uh, uh, apply equally in our own lives, among our friends and office and school. So next week, on the 13th of January, uh, talk about seeing and stopping. Based on Luke 10, Luke 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, how the man saw another injured man. I think most of us, we walk through life without seeing anything. Uh, except for good food and Facebook and, and all that. So do we see? And then secondly, after we see, do we stop? And in a sympathetic way, 
we help people, the injured men. So that's 13th of January. On the 20th of January, based on Acts chapter 8, I want to call it Get With It, principles that we can learn from Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, we too must be like Philip, where we get up, get out, get near, get in, get on. Okay, that will be for, for two weeks from now. And then the week after that, we have a Mission Sunday. Um, around about Chinese New Year, before that, all our missionaries will come back and we'll have a sharing on that. And, and then DIPS, which is Deeds of Kindness, Intercession, Preaching, and Strengthening. And how does this play out in our personal lives? Do we cap our schools, our offices? We give, give, we give gifts freely in Teban Gardens. Do we do so at home and in our offices? Do we pray, do we preach in our home, in our offices? So the first few sermons will be on that. It's not about capping in Teban Gardens. It's capping internalized. And then following that, in February to March, we hit what is called the wisdom literature. Uh, we, we basically systematic go through from Genesis to Malachi uh, for the Old Testament, okay, barring a few changes here and there. And so we now come to Proverbs. Proverbs is a very practical book, very practical and down to earth, and there's so much we can, we can learn from it, so we'll be tackling that in two months. And then Job. Job in June. For Job, I have invited a modern-day Job to speak to us, a guy called David Lang. David Lang is a Singaporean. He's a lecturer in SBC, Singapore Bible College, uh, specializing in hermeneutics, which is the interpretation, Bible interpretation, biblical and systematic theology. And he knows suffering. He's got three children, and think they're about 30 years old now. <coughs> the first child died when he was 11 years old in 2005 out of a very, very rare uh, uh, disease which leaves them mentally handicapped and also physically they're paralyzed. So how they survive um, is by, even breathing is a problem, so they cut a hole here, a tracheostomy, so they breathe through here. They are fed, is it through the nose? No, in that case, it must be through the stomach, uh, and, and that's all. Okay? They cannot really uh, respond. And I quote David Lang, he says, We need between 7,000 to 10,000 each month to care for my children. And we would not be able to cope financially without the help of my church and the Christian community. And then he added on, life is valuable, even life like this. It's a gift from God. I feel joyful as long as I can see my two children smile. So he knows suffering. How I came across him was that I saw in a Facebook posting, uh, something appeared, and then I went to see, oh, he was asking, uh, somebody, not he, somebody was asking on his behalf for money to replace his 27-year-old Toyota Corolla. So I know somebody, some of us from this church, uh, we contributed some to help him there. So he knows suffering, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing how he can still live a very vibrant Christian life when 24-7 he has to look after children who 30 years old now who cannot respond. In July, we're going to be talking about God, the Holy Spirit. Um, it's a topic that has come up recently <coughs> among some members, and I think it's important for us to address that. The work of the Holy Spirit uh, the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and, and spiritual uh, gifts. I think that is very important to, to look at the Word again 
uh, because every so often there will be controversies over the Holy Spirit and we want to be based on the Word. And then in April and May, we cover 1 Corinthians, which teaches us a lot about God, the Holy Spirit. Now, how to live a holy life, not just in a messy world, but in a messy church. And Corinth was a really messy church. And then there will be many opportunities to witness this year. On the 30th of March, we're going to be screening uh, a dinner first and then we'll screen this movie, uh, Case for Christ. It's about a non-believer, uh, a, a journalist who, after being challenged somewhat, went to do an investigation of the Christian faith, actually hoping to debunk it, but in the end became a Christian uh, himself. Of course, Easter and Christmas will be opportunities for evangelism, but I think also the healing prayer uh, service. You know, Lighthouse Church, right? Uh, I think Woodlands and where else? Yeah, they have two churches. And, and every, they have healing services and lots of people go. So healing prayer Sunday service is an opportunity for witnessing. A healing prayer Wednesday night is also an opportunity for witnessing. We have offered the kindy Sunday to Little Seeds, the kindergarten that's operating here now. Uh, the principal is very new, so she has not made a decision whether or not to have that. But if it happens, it will be yet another opportunity uh, for, for witnessing. But I want to say that every Sunday can be evangelistic. Right? Feel free to invite your friends. Every Sunday can be a healing prayer service. So the elders can anoint with oil and can, can be praying uh, every Sunday. In fact, last night I was thinking, why not I cancel the Wednesday once a month healing prayer service? Because every Wednesday prayer uh, meeting can be a healing prayer service. Every Sunday can be. Just bring your friends along. And uh, for the cell groups, one, of course, we'll be tackling 1 Corinthians and Holy Spirit and all that. But one of the, the early ones, I think we're beginning this in February, if I'm not wrong, is to use this material, becoming a contagious Christian, to help us to be more ready and active in leading others to Christ. So if you're in a cell group, this is what's going to happen. And if you're not in a cell group, join, okay? Maybe just for this one and, and see, and then, uh, then you'll continue, is our hope. So, don't let it expire. Life is valuable. And according to David Lang, just to see his children smile is already giving him a lot of joy in spite of so much serving. Don't let it expire. Now, go home and do two things. First, ransack your house for gift vouchers. Okay. <laughs> really, don't let it expire. Every time I think about that $500, I get oh, so painful. Right, why did I not check and, and have it expired? But what's more important is our life. Don't let it expire just like that. Make the most of every opportunity. So how are you going to be spending 2019? How are you going to be investing 2019? You can't save time, you can't have quality time, but you can spend it, you can invest it. And so let me suggest to you some very, very basic principle or, or practice that you can do. Walk with God each morning. Begin your day with God. And then at the end, in the evening, reflect upon the work of God's hand through you throughout the day. And then when you do your work, you pray, God, establish the work of our hands. So prepare the work of our hands as we set out each morning. So can we do that this year? apart from coming on time, which is very important. Okay? And, and just focus, 
focus. Don't waste that time. Don't let it expire. Invest it. Let me now invite the worship team to come help us with a, a closing song. The closing song is the power of your love. And it's a prayer that I think we can pray here using that song in the, on the first Sunday of the year. Asking God to hold us close to Him and to spend our lives very, very wisely to invest in all the right things that has eternal consequences. And don't just let it expire. Come, let's stand.